Uh, okay, so when I when that movie came out, my kids were just at the right age that um, that song <laughs> was sung on repeat. I don't know if it was months, I don't know if it was weeks, but it was like all the time. If you went upstairs, everything is awesome. If you went downstairs, if you went in the backyard, everyone was singing that song. Now. Uh, last week, we saw uh, that Pastor Scott uh, started our new series through the book of Hebrews. Nope, not the book of Hebrews. That was the last series through the book of Philippians. It's actually, I wrote it right here. I don't know why I said Hebrews, because I wrote Philippians right here. And one of the things that we saw is that um, the theme of the book of Hebrews is joy. It's going to be a long little while before I get that switched in my head. If you're here this morning, if you're a visitor, welcome. Um, <laughs> not necessarily like this every time. My name is Tim. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, I, okay, I, we got we to gotta push pause for a minute. Um, I can't tell you what the flub was in um, catechism, but it's on YouTube. <laughs> and it's definitely worth your time. <laughs> it's definitely worth your time. Um, the other thing, okay, I, I've been sitting on this. I told Scott that he should use this joke, and he said, no, it was too lame. I can't not say it. Um, so Pastor Brandon got his bachelor's degree yesterday, which is so weird because he just got married like a month ago. That's it? Nothing? All right. I guess, I guess now we see why, why Scott refused to use that joke. <laughs> The book of Philippians, the, one of the key words that we see is rejoice. Now, when we hear the word rejoice, and, and we're going to see this word pop up all through the book. We're actually going to see it in the passage that we're looking at today for sure, a couple times. Um, but, but when we think of rejoice, if you are like me, I don't want to put words in your mouth. If you are like me, when I think rejoice, I have been brought up to think um, uh, happy, clappy, uh, everything is awesome. And, and I can only rejoice in the context of everything is awesome, right? And if everything is not awesome, it's really hard for me to rejoice. Here's the problem. It doesn't take much to get me off of the everything is awesome thing. Like, I'm old enough now, if I have chicken wings at night, the next day, everything is not awesome. <laughs> Someone just has, has to be mildly rude to me. And all of a sudden, everything is not awesome. I can be driving down the road. My daughter cracks up at this because, um, okay, maybe this is just me. I don't know if, if, if you guys feel like this too, but if we're driving down a two-lane road, kind of like Wellington right out here, and if we're coming up to a stoplight and there's two lanes that are open and the person in front of me, I put my right-hand turn signal on really early and if they would just be aware enough, they would know, just move to the left lane, man, so that I can keep going around. But no, 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 they stop right there and I gotta wait for the Am I the only one? No. no, some of us. Okay. I'm just saying, just look around. Just be aware. It doesn't take much to get me off my thing. What we're going to see, though, in the book of Philippians, not Hebrews, Philippians, that was before. Um, in Philippians, we're going to see that joy, real joy, is not something that can bounce you off so quickly like that. As a matter of fact, what we, are, what we are going to see this morning in the text as we work through it is that sometimes there are circumstances that, that are going to try and bounce us off of the task that God has for us, off the mission that God has for us. Sometimes there's people that are going to bounce us off the mission that God's ha God has for us. And sometimes there, 
in addition to circumstances and, and people, sometimes there's our own attitudes. There's our own priorities and values that bounce us off of what God has for us. So if you have your own copy of God's word, which as we say week after week, man, if you get nothing else out of this, um, it is so important to have your own copy of God's word open in front of you so we, you can see what we're talking about here. So Philippians chapter one, starting in verse 12 is where we are going to be located. If you have a, a device and, and, and uh, you're having a hard time finding it, if you just go to bluewaterbaptist.ca, there's a thing that says, uh, scroll down for a second, there's a thing that says worship in person, I think. If you click that, there's a button for sermon notes and all the scriptures that you need, all the, um, all the, the sermon questions, study questions and all that are all there for you. So feel free to make use of that. Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse 12, here's what the Apostle Paul says. He says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. And because of my chains... Most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Last week, Scott said that the theme of the book is joy, rejoice. And this is the memory aid that we're using. You can see it right behind me. Joyful, full of joy. And what we're going to see is that Paul is full of joy in spite of his circumstances. What do I mean by that? Well, as we see in this text, he has some stuff going on. He has some stuff going on in his life that has made this a, a, a challenging thing, a challenging time uh, for him. And yet he can still say that he rejoices. What are the circumstances that he is in? Well, he's in prison. And by the way, it's not just that he's in jail. It's also that he's in jail unjustly. Now, I'll be totally transparent if I can. If I was unjustly put in prison, I think I would have a hard time finding a way to rejoice. I think my questions would probably be, my prayers would probably be revolving around like, God, are you sure that you haven't taken your hand off the wheel? Like, here I am trying to follow you. Are you sure that, that you, the, the world hasn't spun out of your control? How come you're allowing this to happen? But that's not Paul's response. The circumstances are not derailing him from what God has from him. Now, we can um, notice this, and, and by the way, um, sometimes we say things that we think we're supposed to say. We say things that we think are supposed to be true, even though we don't necessarily feel them. Has that ever happened to anybody else? Happens to me sometimes. I just say it, and I, I don't know if I actually believe it. But we know that Paul actually believes this. And the way that we know that Paul actually believes this is because he actually gives two examples of how, um, uh, you know, the, the gospel is not derailed by what's happening to him. The first example, look at the text, you can see. The first example is that um, the whole palace guard knows why he's in chains. So his, going to, his, his being a prisoner hasn't stopped the gospel from being spread. The whole palace guard knows why he's a prisoner. Now, what would this have looked like for him? Because when we say he's in jail, I have a, a certain picture that is largely informed by my culture and my context about what that would look like. What would that look like for Paul? 
Well, he was actually under house arrest, okay? So he couldn't leave the house that he was in. In addition to that, he was literally chained to a Roman soldier, to one of the palace guards. As a matter of fact, the, the technical term is the praetorium. He was chained to a Praetorian guard. There would have been rotations of six hours. So for six hours, he would have been literally, his ankle would have been chained to a soldier. Six hours later, there's another guy that's coming. In addition to this, the state did not look after his needs. So he's a prisoner. He can't leave the house. He's chained to another guy. And he has to figure out how to get food, how to get clothing, how to get any medicine that he needs, anything that he wants to read or write, these letters that he wrote. He... Hope you have some friends, man. Hope you have some friends with money because <laughs> you had to provide that all for yourself. The Praetorian Guard, those were interesting guys. They were one of the kind of the cream of the crop of the Roman soldiers. And the reason is because they were primarily responsible. They had some other things that they were responsible for, for example, looking after, you know, being chained to, to prisoners. Um, but, but they were responsible for um, protecting the emperor from assassinations. Okay, so, so it, you want the best of the best if you're the emperor protecting you from people trying to kill you. Here's the problem. By the time that Paul was around, they weren't just soldiers. They weren't just the secret service. They'd actually become a, a political entity of their own. They'd actually, there's a couple of emperors that they didn't especially like. So instead of protecting them from being assassinated, you know what they did? <laughs> Took the guy out and put someone else that they liked better up in his place. <laughs> These are not guys you want to mess with. And it's so interesting because Paul doesn't say, oh man, this is so difficult that I, I got to spend 24 hours a day, zero privacy, which sounds horrible for everyone, 24 hours a day chained to these rough, tough soldiers. No, that's not Paul's attitude. Paul's attitude is not, I'm chained up to you. Paul's attitude was, you're chained up to me. And we now have six hours to talk about Jesus. So let's talk about Jesus. <laughs> That was Paul's attitude. The whole palace guard, they know what's going on because they've had to be chained to me for six hours at a time. But it's not just that the Praetorian guards knew what he was about and knew why he was in chains. Look and see what it says. One of the other positive things that came out of this is that the other Christians were not dampened down. They were not um, cowed by Paul being in chains, they were actually emboldened to speak the faith more courageously, to speak the faith more fearlessly. See, here's the thing. The goal of, of Christians being persecuted, when, when someone persecutes Christians, or anybody for that matter, the whole goal is to try and keep other people from doing the same thing. So if Pastor Matt, Pastor Matt, good to see you. We love you being here. How's Anthem going? Going good? Good. We're, we're excited. Um, so if Pastor Matt is preaching the gospel and someone comes in and, and throws Matt in prison, the goal is that me and the rest of us are like, ooh, we don't want that to happen to us. We better stop. But the way that it actually works with the Christian faith is that if, someone th if they throw Matt in prison, what happens is other believers are strengthened and encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly, as they should, as we should. And here's the lesson for us. And, and so I'm going to ask you to repeat this after me in just a second here because this is really important. Here's the lesson for us. Bravery begets bravery. Can you say that? Bravery 
begets bravery. It does. What that means is when we are brave and courageous in our ability to, to speak about the gospel, that begets bravery in others. There is nothing that puts steel in the spine of especially younger believers than seeing someone else who's been there, who's walked it and, and paid the price. There's nothing that puts steel in the, and this is why we need to be telling these stories. Telling stories about those who have actually paid the price because it's not easy to be a Christian, but it's good. Bravery begets bravery. So, Paul says that there are circumstances that are going to want to get us off task, off mission. That's the first thing. The second group of verses we're going to see in verse 15 is that there are also people who want to get us off task and off mission. Look at verse 15. He says, it's true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. So in other words, there's people that should have, that apparently were his brothers and sisters in Christ, and, and, and they're telling others about Jesus, but they're doing so in order to, sh to take shots, in order to shoot at Paul when he's in prison. There's always going to be people, I mean, it should never happen in the church, but there always will be people, even among Christians, there will be envying and rivalries. And some of this stems from theological differences. Sometimes it can stem from personality differences. Sometimes it stems from just old-fashioned, good old envy, jealousy. There will be people, even other Christians, who will do what they can to take shots at you because you're trying your best to faithfully follow Jesus. It's, it's going to happen. Some of you know my son, Austin, my middle son. Um, he's in Bible college in the United States right now. And um, there is, uh, he and some friends, they decided when they got there that they were going to make sure they got plugged in and connected to a church in, in the area. And so they chose this church, got kind of a little church, and... Um, Austin's a very good worship leader and, um, you know, gifted musically, and he, uh, you know, has no desire to take over or, you know, build his own kingdom or anything like that, so he just, he's part of the worship team, and he'll, he plays whatever instrument they need, not, you know, not what he wants, whatever they need. And last Sunday, um, one of the other guys on the worship team, and, and I, I understand that I'm only getting one side of the story. There is always two sides of the story. But one of the guys from the worship team came up to, to Austin and a friend and just like tore a strip off them. And they were so confused, like, what? What is going on? Why are you yelling? This is so confusing. What is happening right now? And And there's lots of other details that you know, we don't need to take time to talk about, but, but my message to him, my advice to him all week, especially as I was studying this, is that, Austin, buddy, there's always going to be people taking shots, even those that are supposed to be cheering you on, even those that are supposed to be brothers and sisters in the Lord. There's always those who are going to take shots at you. And as a follower of Jesus Christ, your responsibility is not to be fired up for your own thing and defend yourself. That's not how this goes. As a matter of fact, let's look at 
what Paul says in verse 18. So let's back up to verse 17 just to get the context. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, ambition, so those that are shooting at Paul, not sincerely, supposing they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. Here we go, verse 18. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. There are always going to be difficult people in our lives. And I would imagine that even me saying that, someone is probably dropping in your, in your head right now. Okay, that's the difficult person that I have to deal with. And if no one is dropping into your head when I say that, probably you are that person to someone else. <laughs> there will be circumstances that try and derail us from the task that God has from us, the mission that God has for us. There will be people who try and derail us from the task that God has for us, the mission that God has for us. And even sometimes our own attitudes, our own values, our own priorities will derail us from the task, from the mission that, that God has for us. And, and to have the attitude that Paul has where like, I'm in jail, this is unjust, I'm here for the gospel, and rather than supporting me, Brothers and sisters are shooting at me? What is going on here? What a difficult thing to have the attitude of what does it matter? The important thing is whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. I think I would have a hard time in those same circumstances saying that. Our own pride, often our own me-firstness, our own desire for control, that can get us off task, off mission. It reminds me of one of my favorite quotes. Um, well, one of my favorite quotes that doesn't come from the Bible. My favorite quotes are all from the Bible, right? I'm the pastor guy, I have to. <laughs> but my favorite quote from not the Bible is by an old dead guy. And he said, preach the gospel, die, and be forgotten. What is the goal of Christians? <laughs> what, is the, what is the mission that God has for you? Preach the gospel, die and be forgotten. I've got a, a hoodie, a sweater that has that right on the thing to remind myself that we're not building a kingdom for, I'm not building a kingdom for me. I don't, want, I don't want my name on this church. I don't want my name on anything. Because I'm gonna do my thing. I'm gonna preach the gospel as best as I can. I'm gonna die and when my kids die, Maybe my grandkids, no one's going to know my name, and that's fine. Because that's, it's not my goal to be, have my name remembered. But the message of the gospel, that is what needs to be remembered. That is what's going to have eternal impact. So are we trying to build a kingdom for ourselves? Am I trying to build a Crestmanville here? Or is this about the gospel? It's hard to have that attitude. Okay, notice what Paul says at the end of what we read there, at the end of verse 18. He says, because of this I rejoice, note the present tense, 
Because of this, I rejoice, yes, and I will continue to rejoice. So what we learn is that, um, so for Paul, he made this, this decision that even in the difficult circumstances, even with the people that are making life hard for him, even in that, he's not going to have the bad attitude that says, no, no, I'm going to set up my own kingdom. He says, I'm going to rejoice that God is glorified, whether from false motives or true, and the gospel is preached. I rejoice, and he's making a decisive dedication about what is going to happen. I will rejoice. Well, Paul, what happens if dot, 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 I will rejoice? Well, yeah, yeah, I got it. But what happens if I will rejoice? What's your worst case scenario? What's your worst case scenario? Will you even in that determine beforehand that as long as the gospel is preached, I'll rejoice? doesn't matter about my thing. And it occurs to me that, man, maybe this is something that, this is hard, right? Like this, this is a hard, a hard truth. It's a hard thing to wrap our, our heads around. It's a hard thing to wrap our hearts around. And maybe this is something that, and maybe this is an idea that Paul had that he hasn't had a chance to live out yet. And maybe it seems like it's a good idea. It sounds good, but, but maybe once Paul lived it out, he would have something different to say. Oh, interesting. Why don't we look at Paul's life for a minute and let's back up. Let's back up a few years before the book of Philippians was written. The Apostle Paul was just wrapping up one of his missionary journeys. He was on his way back to Jerusalem because that's where God had told him to go. He stopped at a place called Miletus. It's a weird name. Everyone say Miletus. All right, there's no reason to say that. I just want to make sure you guys are tracking with me still. So he's, he stopped at Miletus. It was near a place called Ephesus um, and Paul had spent a lot of his time a disproportionate amount of his time on his missionary journeys in Ephesus. And he knew those people really well, loved them. He said, hey, come, come with me. Um, uh, come visit me in Miletus because this is probably the last time I'm going to see you. So they came and visited. And as they were there, um, look and see what Paul says. This is Acts chapter 20. We will throw this on the screen for you. Acts chapter 20, starting in verse 21. He said, I have, this is, so this is the last thing that he says, his last words to the Ephesian elders. He says, I've declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. So this is years before Philippians, and that's his attitude. Let's fast forward a little bit, because on his way back, he, he, he went a little farther, stopped at a place called Caesarea, and at Caesarea, there was the um, same kind of thing. He knew this would be the last time he was able to talk to the Christians there, and um, a guy who was, he had the gift of prophecy, his name was Agabus, he came and, um, very interesting, he took Paul's belt. Yes, he did. <laughs> he took Paul's belt, kind of weird, and he, he, he tied up his own wrists and his own ankles, and he said, he prophesied, he said, in the same way that I'm bound, the owner of this belt is going to be bound and turned over to the Gentiles if he goes to, to Jerusalem. 
And immediately, everyone started begging and pleading with Paul. Paul, like, God gave a prophecy to this guy, like, don't go to Jerusalem. You gotta, don't do that. And in Acts chapter 21, verse 13, we'll throw it on the screen. Then Paul answered, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I'm ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. So what happened? He kept going to Jerusalem. He was falsely accused of thing, we don't have time to talk about it, but arrested, languished in jail for years as a tyrant of a governor, uh, thought he could get a bribe out of Paul. So for years, even though he'd done nothing wrong, he languished in prison. Finally, Paul said, like, okay, I need to appeal to Caesar. That was his right as a Roman citizen because nothing was happening with this tyrant of a governor. Caesar wasn't any better. So he almost, he should have died a number of times on the way to Rome. He's now unjustly in Rome as a prisoner. He did nothing wrong, but he's a prisoner for Christ. After all these years, after all these trials, he still has this attitude. I rejoice Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. What's your worst case scenario? Some of you are walking through it right now. Decide now, if the worst case scenario comes, how will you respond? And as a believer in Jesus Christ, I think we need to have the attitude of the Apostle Paul. I rejoice, and I will rejoice. Um, we understand that, that Paul understood the difference between happiness and joy. You know there's a difference, right, between happiness and joy? Happy uh, actually comes from the old English word happenstance. And the idea is that if, you're, if your stance is good, if your stance is favorable, is positive, then we can be happy. Joy is a different thing. We don't have to be happy. Paul was not happy with his circumstances, but he did rejoice. We can give an amen to that, right? I hope that that was a prayer, <laughs> that you sang that, not just, not just as words, but as a dedication of your soul to the Lord. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much that because of what you have done for us in Christ, that we can have this attitude that we can rejoice. Why? Because what we see here now is not all that there is. That even if it doesn't go well for us now, that there is joy, joy everlasting to come. Because of what you have done, we have that promise. And because of faith in you, Jesus, we have access to it. Lord God, I pray that you would help us to continue this week to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. That's you, Jesus Christ. And it's to you that we give all glory, both now and forever. Amen. 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 Your love, friends.